The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Learn how to eat better, get healthy, and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. McDonald's has begun trials of its McPlant burger in the U.S. Saint is going fur-free in 2022. Grocery sales of plant-based foods that directly replace animal products have grown 27% in the past year to $7 billion in the United States alone. Veganism is searched on Google four times more often than vegetarianism. There are an estimated 79 million vegans on earth, and each one of us saves around 30 animals per month. The world is changing because we're changing it. We'll look at some of these changes in this episode with two powerful women who are at the heart of it. Welcome, everyone, to the Main Street Vegan Podcast. I am your host, Victoria Moran, coming to you from New York City via Unity Online Radio that is located just outside Kansas City, Missouri. And my guests today are going to be joining us from Ireland and from Australia. Ours is a global movement to be sure. After the break, we'll talk with returning guest Claire Smith, whose latest project is Beyond Cruelty. And in segment one, we'll be looking at vegan interior design and vegan interior design week going on right now with award-winning interior architect, Aline Dürr. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Aline. She is a thought leader, author, and voice for the voiceless, born in Berlin. After moving to Sydney in 2011, she started her own interior design studio while also working for different bespoke interior architecture companies, mainly in commercial interior design. After turning vegan four years ago, she rebranded her interior design 
Design Studio to vegan interior design and created an educational platform teaching international interior design students and established interior design businesses how to include a fast-growing, conscious, and vegan market into their customer base and widen their skill set by specifying cruelty-free materials and finishes. And now it is all cultivate, culture. <laughs> hmm, that's a tough word. It is all culminated in Vegan Interior Design Week happening this first week of November 2021. Welcome, Aline. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to have you on. I love how you open the door that says vegan and you walk in and there are all of these surprising things behind it, interior design being one of those. So why is it important? Well, it's just like vegan food and fashion. Um, to start with, for me personally, it's um, to save as many possible from unnecessary torture and death. But um, it's important because it keeps animal products out of our home. So for people that are already vegan, we don't want any animal products around us, right? Or we don't, we don't want any products that have used or, or tortured an animal. So um, knowing as a vegan interior designer that it's not just fur and leather and wool, but that animal products are hiding and a lot of other products, which a lot of people don't actually realize, um, it's it's important because we want to keep those out of our homes or offices or spaces if we can. Um, so what I'm trying to do with my company is not only make vegan interior design a thing, <laughs> but also to educate vegans about what they might not actually realize is still lurking in their homes. I think that's so important to make a vegan lifestyle the norm, because it's one thing to change your diet, to clean out your closet and your cosmetic shelf, but it's another thing to just realize that animal products are the default. They're the fallback for so many things that we don't think about, certainly in interiors. I know for us, the very last thing my husband and I got rid of were a couple of wool rugs that he had collected on travels around the world. He had a little bit of a heart connection to them. But when those rugs were gone and replaced with vegan rugs, it just felt like, you know, that scene in Cinderella where all the birds are singing and everybody's helping everybody out. It feels so good. So what's your journey? I, I know you've only been vegan for four years and you shifted immediately. Well, yes, that's right. I mean, I, I, when I was 11, I turned vegetarian and I was vegetarian for a very long time. But um, for some reason that that shift you know the, the one gear up never happened um and then after i had my daughter i just came across a few documentaries and it started with a dairy cow chasing after her calf and i was like oh that really connects to me because i'm breastfeeding my daughter at the moment and that really you know it, it clicked at that stage and then i watched another documentary um which just came out at that time dominion and i always say i became vegan overnight after that which is not necessarily true 100 um 
you know, overnight is pretty hard, but I decided after watching it, I had to be vegan and I had to live a vegan lifestyle and I wanted to raise my, my daughter vegan and it all fell in place after that. Um, yeah. And like you said, you know, people start with food and fashion and the wardrobe, but then I looked at what I was doing for making money, like my job, and I love interior design, but all of a sudden I thought, oh, well, I can't really specify anything I specified before or a lot of things that I specified on a daily basis. I couldn't do that anymore from a moral point of view, and I didn't want to. So then I looked into vegan interior design and there wasn't really that much out there at that stage. Um, there's a lot of people all over the world, you know, scattered here and scattered there, but there was not like anything like you find with food or fashion. Um, so, yeah, I decided to, to shift my own company. But then while I was doing all this research, I thought, well, we need to make it easier for other interior designers and for people who, who redecorate their homes or for vegans who live in homes um, and actually don't know all those things I found out myself. Um, I thought we need to bring that all together. And that's why I started writing a book and did a lot of research. Um, and yeah, so the book was born and my online courses were born, but through all that research, I met a lot of people all over the world. And I thought, well, there is no vegan interior design movement. There's vegan fashion week. There's, you know, like we all know, like food is exploding all over the world. Um, but yeah, there was no vegan interior design movement. So I thought, well, we need one and it has to start somewhere. And that's why I created Vegan Interior Design Week to, to, to start this movement, but also to show all these people that I've met along the way already in those past years that it is actually a bigger movement and a bigger market than a lot of those individual people think. Because <laughs> I came across a lot of people who think, thought they were the only vegan interior designer in their country or, you know, in their area and I said well actually there's there's another two of you and you should connect and that's how it, it, it started that idea of creating a whole week of talks and connecting I love yeah, the idea here of, we are today <laughs> that's so exciting so you found quite a few more people involved than you had thought when you first had the idea to do a vegan interior design week, did you think it was just going to be you and four or five friends? No, the, the vegan interior design week was really born because um, I came across that many people. And that was when I, when, I, when I renamed my company into vegan interior design and I started writing my book. That's when I thought, well, there's nobody out there really. But then through that research, I found a lot of people and that's why I thought well there's at least 30 people that have something to say about the subject so we need to bring them all together and tell even more people. Oh absolutely and I'm sure there's tremendous interest from interior designers who are not yet vegan 
that this is just something different. So tell us about some of the features happening at Vegan Interior Design Week, which by the way, is online. So anybody can participate. Uh, we're at November 1st today, so it is still going on. So tell us what we can find if we pop in. So we have um, a different program every day, but um, it's structured in the same way. So we, we have 30 international speakers and there's about four to five talks every day. So you may have missed the first ones, but there's still plenty more to come. And we've got um, four very interesting panel discussions um, about different subjects. One subject is change and, you know, change in the world with veganism, but also change in our interior design industry. Um, we've got a panel discussion about communication, how to communicate your moral values to clients and to non-vegans without, you know, alienating them. We've got, um, yeah, we have two other panel discussions. Um, one is, I can't think of them right now. There's so much oh. going on at the moment. With oh, these that's talks, exciting. Well, what, so we've got the... Um, <laughs> Where do we where do we find the information? What's the uh, URL? I know your website is veganinteriordesign.com. So that's can we correct. go there for info? Yes. And then all the information about Vegan Interior Design Week can be found on the website with the same name, Vegan Interior Design Week. Um, and that will guide you to a link to Beyond Animals conference platform because I'm actually working with Beyond Animal um, to host that. Well, that isn't that interesting? I know, and I thought that was a very interesting <laughs> coincidence. <laughs> you know, it's, an, it's a funny thing, Eileen. I have been doing this radio show podcast since June of 2012. And there so often is an interesting synchronicity between my segment one person and my segment two person who, who usually don't know each other or don't seem to have anything to do with each other, but very, very often, just like you've said. Um, so Claire is coming That's really on after funny the because break. And I was desperately looking for a platform to host this conference on because it's, it's a first time event, you know, nobody like the bigger companies that didn't have much trust or they, I couldn't really prove to them that this is a big, Thing that they should support so um, I was struggling with funding for for using one of the more expensive platforms and then I was um, on a vegan women networking session and Claire was there and she said oh you should just do it on our platform and you know that's how that all came about um, so yeah <laughs> Now, was that it vegan? was actually very influential, maybe without knowing, actually. Wow. <laughs> was that vegan uh, women's networking platform by any chance, Vivas? With it Katrina was. Fox? Yes, with Katrina Fox. That's right. Uh, and she's one of our speakers as well. So see, it's all connected. <laughs> so anyone who identifies as female, who is vegan, particularly if you're out in the world in business, do check out Vivas, V-I-V-A-S. I'll actually include that uh, on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net, along with URLs for both of our guests today. 
because uh, Katrina is is the grand connector, and we've just got some proof for that right here. So Alit, I don't want to put you on the spot or give you a quiz or anything, but I know that people are just so interested to find out how they can bring vegan interior design into their own spaces. So could I just ask you, say the word bedroom, what comes up? What can we do in our bedrooms to be sure that we're vegan and, and eco-friendly and doing things right? Sure, um, bedrooms, very important because you spend so much time there. So you definitely don't want to sleep on feathers or down, which is probably something most vegans know, but they, I still find some that think, oh, well, but there's, you know, feathers, they, they just fall out of ducks and get collected or something. <laughs> so definitely no feathers and down. Um, there's so many, so many alternatives like K-Park or cotton or yeah, lots of different options for cushions and dunas. But um, paint is also important. I mean, that's not only for the bedroom, but that's for all the rooms. But um, paint very often has animal products in it or has been tested on animals. And um, it's been tested on animals because there's a lot of toxic chemicals in it that, you know, by law still need to be tested on animals, unfortunately, in a lot of countries. So if you can pick a vegan paint, you most generally know that it's also a more healthier option because it has less, less toxins and it's just much better for you to be around and breathe in. Um, and then, well, even mattresses, it's not necessarily a 100% vegan um, issue, but if you can stay away from memory foam and synthetic latex, that would be very good as well. <laughs> because that, again, has so many chemicals um, that are just not healthy to sleep on. And I know those memory foam cushions, they're so popular and they're so comfortable. And they're, I mean, I love putting my head on them too. They're just not very good for you. Interesting. So let's talk a little bit about rugs uh, since I already shared that that was my, my last non-vegan thing to go in my life. So uh, what, what's in them that we shouldn't have around and what are the alternatives? Well, rugs, I could tell you, they're usually one of the big things that any interior designer who tries to design in a vegan way mentions as one of the bigger issues or one of the hard things to replace. So usually, I mean, most rugs have some portion of wool still in them because it just makes them more sturdy and, and softer and, and it gives all those qualities a typical rug should have a lot of them still have silk as well to make them nice and soft so then the alternatives are often made of plastic or you know all these other materials that we know from a sustainable point of view we shouldn't really use so finding a sustainable vegan rug is still one of our well one of the biggest issues, there are plenty of alternatives though. I mean, there's the typical ones that you usually, if you type in vegan rug, you get like your sisal and all those natural materials. But then I have clients that say, well, 
I don't really want this natural organic look. I want the plush, luxurious wool rug look and feel. Um, so there are options now made of things like cornstarch. I mean, they're not made of cornstarch, but they, they have a very large um, portion of, of corn or other bio-derived materials. And um, I feel they're still, they're still developing. So I don't have the one go-to option myself, but there are a lot of rugs and materials out there now that are made from plants or at least a portion and recycled plastics. So I feel, you know, sometimes you just need to, to do as good as you can because perfection is not really 100% possible in vegan interior design yet. Yes. We're catching up with the food and fashion <laughs> movement, but it's still, it's still not there in all areas. Right. And I certainly feel that we didn't, we never want the perfect to interfere with the good and something that one already has, the rug is on your floor. It's been there forever. You know, the boots you've been wearing 15 years, it, that's not harming an animal today. That's over. That's done with. So it's going forward. We want to make vegan choices and sustainable choices. Just, you know, we can't be responsible for what we did before we didn't, we knew, but in Absolutely. Case we have some listeners who are new to veganism. Could you just explain the problems with both wool and silk? Cause I think those surprise a lot of people. They, they seem very innocent until you know that they're not. That's true. Like wool is one I, I discuss so many times because people think, well, sheep need to be shorn anyway. And, you know, it's just like a haircut. The problem is, um, well, it starts with how the sheep are actually raised um, and genetically manipulated to make more wool. Like they're, they're genetically manipulated to have extra folds of skin so that more wool fits on it, so you can harvest more wool. That alone for me is already like a crazy thought. But um, the problem then is a lot of these sheep, um, especially here in Australia, they can't actually deal with all this wool and the Australian weather, the heat. Um, so a lot of them die from heat stroke. Um, then the shearing, which is one of the biggest issues. The shearing is a really cruel activity, actually. People think, well, it's this romantic thought, you know, um, those big Australian farm boys in the shearing sheds. And, and they, they, I don't know, here in Australia, it's, it's this heroic profession in a way because it's so traditional and I don't know, romantic or romanticized in a way, but it's actually really, really cruel. The sheep get, get hurt, they get cut, they get um, ears cut off because it's all about time. Um, they don't get paid per hour. They just, you know, they get paid by volume. So there's no real concern for animal welfare. And if they're hurt, they're hurt. They're left bleeding. They often have gaping wounds. Um, they're really frightened because sheep are very shy animals. So this whole process is really cruel for them, um, which a lot of people, I think, just don't imagine. And 
there's other problems with wool um, in terms of health as well. Um, you know, it collects dust. Uh, it's dust mites collect in it, so it's not actually too healthy to have it around, especially around kids. Which, with all these um, marketing campaigns about sustainable wool and sustainable products. You think it's the opposite. You think it's uh, wool is a nice natural product to have around, but it's not actually that healthy for anyone. Again, like I agree with you, if you already have it in your house, keep it and keep it until it falls apart or until you want a new product. But um, but if you don't have to buy wool, um, there's plenty of alternatives. And silk, it's the same. Um, it's often marketed as very as a very natural product and you know the the moths are not the the silkworms that then turn into moths they're not harmed by the process but fact is they actually um the moth spins a cocoon which is the silk and it's more beneficial or it's um better to boil these cocoons before the actual lava in there becomes a moth <laughs> um, because you get more, more silk out of it or less, less damage to the silk thread. So a lot of um, these little worms are boiled to death in their cocoons before they even hatch into a moth. Um, which then people say, well, it's just a worm, they don't have feelings, but I think that can be argued. And there's actually scientific studies that worms have some sort of feelings and mm. brains. <laughs> yes, and someone said to me many years ago, no one knows what life is. If you can't make it, don't take it. That's <laughs> Which correct. So, made a lot of sense. Yes. So, you know, um, there's always, and, and then there's pea silk where they say they let the moth leave. But I find any animal that's exploited for, for being itself and for, you know, creating a cocoon for their babies and, and for making wool to protect themselves, um, it just shouldn't be used from a moral point of view. But even, you know, from an ethical point of view, if you think of all the pain that's involved, um, I think it's just very obvious that it's not the not the best choice. Oh, that what what a, a beautiful phrase! Exploited for being itself—that's really the essence of veganism. We don't want to exploit anybody for being himself or herself, whether we're talking food, clothing, or interiors. So thank you so much for everything that you're doing out there. So listeners, if you're listening the first week of November 21, you can still get in on Vegan Interior Design Week. Check that out at Eileen's site, veganinteriordesign.com or at veganinteriordesignweek.com. Eileen's book is Vegan Interior Design, and we will put all that contact information and ways to find out more about this on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. Thank you so much, Aline, for being up at two in the morning to talk with us about this really, really important topic. May you change an entire industry.
<laughs> Thank you. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. It, it's it's just a small thing. We're we're changing the whole world as we go about it. One industry at a time, one heart, one mind at a time. We're going to get this thing done. And speaking of getting it done, we're going to be back right after these messages with someone who is doing lots and lots and lots, Claire Smith of Beyond Cruelty. Stay with us. Throughout history, dreamers have opened the door for positive change that reshapes the world. Our dreams and stories can also attract individual prosperity and success. Join creative artist Valerie June, Aisha Ophelia, Jacqueline Suskin, and Sarah Walco for The Power of Radical Imagination, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Ignite your radical imagination and cultivate positive change. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, my gosh, I am so excited about all the amazing things that are happening in the world. And while I'm excited, I do want to give a shout out to something that has just been making me happy for, golly, nearly 10 years. And that is Main Street Vegan Academy. So if you would like to go into vegan business, if you would like to be certified as a vegan lifestyle coach and educator, then by all means, check out Main Street Vegan Academy. You can find all that information at MainStreetVegan.net, where you can also find the show notes for this program and how to connect with our wonderful guests. So some people say, well, what do you do at Main Street Vegan Academy? Well, now we do it on Zoom. So you can join us from wherever you are around the world. We have an incredible faculty of luminaries in medicine, dietetics, animal rights, animal law, environmentalism, vegan fashion, coaching, working with families, working with groups, public speaking, we've got it all. So do check us out, MainStreetVegan.net. Now, I am so excited to be bringing on Claire Smith. Now, she has told us that due to being stuck in traffic, she finds herself in a hotel lobby. So we are going to hear some of the real life background 
sounds of being in a hotel lobby. And I have to say that after being pretty much inside for a year and a half through uh, much of this pandemic, I kind of like hearing some background noise. It makes me feel like normal life is coming soon. So for those of you who didn't hear Claire when she was on the show in the past or are not familiar with her work, I want to read her entire bio because this woman seems to have a, a hand everywhere and it's so inspiring i think sometimes we think can i do more well listen to what claire smith does and you'll probably say yeah i can do more claire is a vegan entrepreneur and impact investor who currently splits her time between ireland and switzerland she created the humane investment platform beyond investing which designs cruelty-free programs in public equity markets, undertakes venture capital investment in vegan, plant-based, and alternative protein businesses through Beyond Impact, and is co-founder of Beyond Animal, an online platform to accelerate the growth of a thriving vegan economy through networking and funding services. She is president of Beyond Cruelty Foundation, formed to campaign for zero animal exploitation and to fund safe havens for animals whose campaign for SDG, that's Sustainable Development Goals, 18, Zero Animal Exploitation, we are here to talk about today. Welcome, Claire Smith. Hi, Victoria. It's great to be with you again. Wonderful to be with you. Well, it's. I feel like every time... I hear your name. I hear there's another beyond something that you've come up with. It's so exciting that you're able to keep all these balls in the air and do so much wonderful, wonderful work. Where do you get your energy? It's, I just, I just, it's the first thing I think about when I get up and it's the last thing I think about at night. So I just, uh, just uh, can't, I'm obsessed. <laughs> what can I say? Well, it, it's a divine obsession, and I wish more people were similarly obsessed. So for people who are not aware of these SDGs, these Sustainable Development Goals, the UN has 17 of them, and they all look really good. There's zero hunger and responsible consumption and quality education and clean water, but you're saying they need an 18th. What's that all about? Yes, I mean, this was something that I uh, I realized as, as I got more into the ethical investing scene, started going to um, ESG, which is environmental, um, social and governance. That's a, a style of investing that is bringing in these kind of considerations, um, impact investing, as I said, um, and, and started to understand how, how people were creating a framework around their investing. I also was going to some trade shows as well to do with obviously vegan businesses, um, stumbled uh, into the, unfortunately had to go through the meat aisle, uh, the meat hall of a trade show and saw all of these SDGs all over um, the stand of a meat company and I'm like oh my god how can they be claim claiming all of that I actually had a bit of an argument with them too um, so it became very obvious to me uh, the UN SDGs this was created by the UN in 2013 as a result of consultation with all of the governments and I think most of the countries of the world have signed up to them and these 17 sustainable development goals are supposed to be also enshrined in the laws in the laws that are coming up there is some consideration as to how 
to achieve those goals. So it is cutting across um, businesses, it's cutting across the investing and also the um, governmental side. And when I started to design my investment programs, I was like, hang on, I want to be able to, uh, you know, tell people who are interested in ethical investing and in and investing for good in the world, which of the SDGs are appropriate. And I said, okay, so which of the SDGs is talking about farmed animals? None of them. Which of the SDGs is talking about not killing fish or not fish farming? None of them. There is some, some words about not overfishing in life below water, but otherwise there's so little consideration to the animals that are exploited in the SDGs and there's no goal, there's nothing that's, that's in the SDGs around how we could reduce our use of animals or whether it's the right thing to do. It's just business as usual. And the SDGs are all about improving life for humans, but there's very little consideration of the natural world and certainly no consideration for the animals who are exploited in the service of humans. And I thought, oh my God, this is a huge omission and this needs to be addressed. There needs to be, there needs to be some kind of goal there because surely in terms of human evolution, we should be moving towards a, a different kinder kind of world where we are not using animals. So that's why I decided that it needed to be created and a campaign needed to be built around that. Well, you're taking on the UN, you're taking on global governments, and you're really taking on the way the majority of humans see life as a very human-centric thing. It's almost like the pre-Galileo world mm. of uh, the, the sun revolving around the earth. So what are your steps? How are you starting? How's this going to happen? Well, I think in terms of our research, what, what we... Um, Whereas we, we're, as vegans, going directly towards the idea of why it's important to reduce our use of animals and ideally have this zero animal exploitation as a goal, which is, you know, um, something that the UN has. It has zero hunger as a goal, um, which, you know, is going to be extremely difficult to achieve. So if anybody says to me, zero animal exploitation, you'll never get there. I think, well, you have to have a stretch goal, you know, that's my stretch goal, zero. But obviously, if we can get a long way towards that, I'll be very happy too. Um, so in terms of the steps, what I thought was, in, was interesting, however, was from the research that we did, um, myself and others, volunteers who've been helping me with the, or with the foundation, um, we basically discovered that by moving towards zero animal exploitation, we actually can achieve the other 17 goals. There's an enormous overlap in terms of the use of animals and other, um, other things which are um, undermining human society. And so on the website, we actually started to publish this research around how the um, uh, not avoiding or how using animals is impeding our, our goal of zero hunger, impeding the goal of no poverty, impeding climate action, obviously, um, because of the extensive uh, carbon footprint, impeding the goal three of good health and well-being because of the uh, damage that is done by um, animal products when they're ingested, um, and also the fact that animal testing itself is highly inaccurate. So in terms of understanding disease and designing drugs, 
using animals is actually making it more difficult to achieve many of the goals. Clean water and sanitation, for example. Um, gender issues are rife within the um, industries which use animals. It's almost as if the animals are at the bottom of the pile, but other, uh, other people like uh, uh, women and also minority groups are also getting abused in these industries. So there was such enormous overlap between the, the, the rest of the goals and zero animal exploitation that that's, that was our first step to say, it's not just about this kind of philosophical idea of uh, how we should stop exploiting animals, but we are missing a trick here in terms of all of the other goals. If we do stop exploiting animals, then all of the other goals get so much easier to actually achieve. So our first step was to create this website and to put this information in the public domain so that people could understand how moving towards zero animal exploitation was good for people, animals, and the planet, and all of those 17 other goals. So the website is beyondcruelty.org. You can yes. also check out the Facebook page, Beyond Cruelty, Instagram, Beyond underscore Cruelty. All that will be in the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. So Claire, how do you present this to the UN? How do you get it considered? Well, I think in terms of the, the UN, I don't think that we are going to get um, you, you know, an immediate reaction from them by going directly, just one foundation. What we are building is a coalition of associations that are all in support of this. And what's obviously quite handy about the zero animal exploitation as a goal is that there are many organizations that have a vegan mindset that would be interested to come, you know, to act in support of the goal. And obviously as a foundation, if we are working with other associations that have that, that same mindset, then we want to support what they're doing too, because it's all in support of the same goal. So there is the chance to create this kind of global coalition around this goal, because obviously the UN is a global association. So it makes sense to have a global campaign that all of these uh, vegan associations or animal charities um, can, can buy into. So pulling this coalition together, we will show then the force of numbers. And at that point, we will go to the UN and say all of these associations and organizations can see why we should move towards um, zero animal exploitation. And it doesn't just have to be vegan and animal charities, as I said, all of the associations around things like clean water, around gender, um, around conservation, because what is the thing that is uh, cutting into the natural habitat and causing deforestation? Primarily, it's for animal agriculture. So there is so much overlap with a number of other associations that are all very siloed in their specific um, areas. If we can bring all of that together and show how animal exploitation is 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 uh, is is the root is is a root cause of many problems in the world, then we can get quite a grand coalition together across, as I said, conservation, the vegan movement, um, a lot of the health charities potentially with all of the issues with uh, animal products and cancer, diabetes, uh, you know, all of the um, research that's been done in that area. 
um, it, it could be a very large coalition of, um, of uh, associations, which then would be something that the UN would have to take seriously. Yes. Oh, that's so exciting. So Claire, how do you want people to support the SDG 18? Well, um, we have a very nice uh, tile, which we've designed, which is on um, the SDG 18 page on the website. And, uh, and uh, um, possibly you can add that also in your in your show notes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it, it is uh, trademarked for this campaign. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, anybody who wants to can publicize it, can promote it, can um, put it up on their website, as long as it's for a non-commercial use. We don't want people to, to be, you know, uh, using it in, 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 a, in a, a kind of commercial way. It's, it's a trademark of the charity, but anybody who simply wants to get behind this campaign can certainly use it um, and promote it like that. So the tile can be uh, downloaded from the beyondcruelty.org um, website. And if you're running an association or a group in this area and you think that this could be something you're interested in, um, then uh, please use the contact us page on the website to express your support. Um, and uh, we're building a page on the website for everybody who is pledging their support. So the coalition, um, in, in order that, um, you know, we can show all of the associations um, who are also behind this, this goal of um, zero animal exploitation. Um, and so that's, that's what we would like people to do. And then we will put up your logo on, um, you know, and details of what you're doing on the website as well, in return for you obviously having the SDG 18 tile on your website with a link back to our foundation in order that people can see more about what the SDG 18 zero animal exploitation goal is all about. I love the cross-pollination. The, the mm. word that comes to mind is exponential. <laughs> That's how we get exponential reach and exponential growth. So I know obviously that vegans are going to be very excited about this, but what are some of the more surprising kinds of, of groups that you have had interest from or that you expect to have interest from? Um, I think I think in terms of, um, especially in the investing um, arena, um, on the impact investing side, uh, quite a lot of, um, you know, groups really struggle to, to, to find um, uh, ways to, um, you know, ways to 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 uh, source projects in certain of the um, certain of the areas like the responsible consumption and production, for example, sustainable cities and communities. And I think that there's such an overlap here with the the idea of the zero of the zero animal exploitation that they will they will want to get behind it because they will be able to see that that goal is in support of some of these more difficult goals to. Um, uh, to orientate their portfolios towards. Um, another one that's quite difficult is things like the partnerships to achieve the goal. And so the idea of this, you know, coalition in terms of bringing people together around, a, you know, a one, you know, as a, 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 a sort of, um, I hate to say single issue campaign, because as I say, there's so much overlap with other, with other things, but um, a lot of these groups find it hard to find projects that really will speak to some of the goals that they have um, a specific interest in. And so if we can show that the zero animal exploitation is going to support those, those goals, I think we'll get support from, from those, um, uh, 
from those areas. Oh, this is this is all really exciting. Everybody go to beyondcruelty.org, check all of this stuff out. So Claire, let's just move for a minute into some of these other areas that you're so involved in. I think it's been a year or two since you were on the show talking about vegan investing. So tell us what's what's happening there. Well, um, I think what's super, you know, exciting and 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 very gratifying for us is that the um, the ETF which we uh, spoke about last, I think it had only just launched in um, late 2019 at that time. It's uh, increased in assets over that period. Um, it's now uh, around 65 million dollars in assets. So we're very happy with how that has been supported and how that has also performed versus the market as well, which is which has led to that increase in assets overall. Um, outside of that. Um, we know that people are very interested in investing in vegan companies um, and some people don't want to go into VC because obviously it's very high risk. And so we have put together a basket or a portfolio of companies which are very much clearly oriented towards the vegan theme um, and issued a strategy and index on that, which is listed as a certificate in Europe. And that has about 40 stocks in it which are the kind of stocks which are creating products which are very, which are completely vegan um, and which will benefit from the transition away from the use of animals and towards more plant-based products. So in, within that, we have obviously plant-based meat companies, we have milk, uh, alternative uh, plant-based milks. We also have some very interesting materials uh, such as I was listening to Aileen earlier, a company in that portfolio which is making alternatives to silk out of actual wood pulp. So there's, there's many interesting companies in this space. Um, uh, well, a certain number. You have to look very hard to find them. Um, and we've built a, a portfolio around that in order that people can get this much more targeted exposure to the vegan theme. Um, on the impact and the VC side, I continue to be investing in, in the vegan companies and have some funds coming out in that space, both seeding funds, so the very early stage, and also um, a fund which is uh, supporting the scale up of companies once, they, um, once, they've, uh, once they're revenue producing or they are close to um, you know, producing commercially um, to put more money into those businesses in order to get them get them growing even faster and uh, taking even more market share from the producers of meat, dairy, eggs, etc. So there's so much exciting stuff going on, um, really, Victoria. Um, so I'm thrilled in, in, at the way that things are really accelerating. And um, the more, um, more good things happen, more good things come from that as well, because more and more people are attracted to the space, both companies to produce and also investors to put more money into the space. I have a devil's advocate question, because some of mm -hmm. the people who are attracted to the space are also in the meat industry. And mm. they're not necessarily getting out of the meat industry and going into plant-based foods. They're, they kind of want to have a, a foot in each camp. So I think that this turns some people off of the whole area of, of you know, plant-based meats and, and, and cultured meats and all this sort of thing. Do you uh, ever have the 
challenge or the opportunity to work with people who are also in the meat industry and as an ethical vegan and an ethical person. What do you do with that? Yes, I understand where you're, where you're coming from. But um, um, what I would say is that uh, if, if we were only to work with purely vegan people, and especially in terms of investors, it's, it's not realistic for me to demand of an investor that before they can put money into, into any of my funds, they must turn vegan. Um, I, what's more important to me is what their money is, is going towards. And if it's going towards something which will reduce um, the level of animal exploitation, then, um, you know, I think that that is driving towards the goal. And hopefully through the information that I'm providing to them about the investments that I'm making and why they're a good idea, that in some ways is a little bit of, a, you know, it's, it's some somewhat animal advocacy. What I wanted to also make um, clear was that a percentage of our fees from the all of the investment products is going towards the foundation to support animal advocacy, not just by our foundation, but by others in the field. Um, so, um, we, you know, we really want to make this a kind of virtuous circle of educating, getting more people to switch away from the use of animals. And to the extent that they switch and the funds are making money, some of that money is going to be coming back into the foundation in order to keep that virtuous circle going. Um, so I, I think, yeah, I think on your point, um, you can't expect everybody to go from sort of, you know, naught to 100 straight away but if you can get them part way along that journey then you can uh, and you can show them how it's better for them and better for the planet for animals for their grandchildren etc then i think you can just keep pushing them further and further along and um and frankly i mean the meat companies can see the can see the point um the people within meat companies they just want to have a product to sell and if the cellular, for example, or if plant-based meats, and I heard today of another meat company um, in Europe creating their own plant-based products, if they can create those products and they can still have a viable business, they're going to want to do that. Um, the, the philosophy of their business is not, we're here to be cruel to animals, it's we're here to create a product and they try not to think about what happens with the animals. If they can create a product which is successful for them, which doesn't hurt animals, they're going to want to do it. So true, so true. And just we're running out of time, but my last question, Claire, as you talk with people who are movers and shakers in the world, very sophisticated people who are not yet vegan, what, what's the hang up? What is keeping people from saying, oh my goodness, this is so clear, let me change right now? Um, I, I think that there's a lot of baggage around the word vegan, which makes people not want to adopt it and to want to talk about being a reducitarian or a flexitarian. That's a very popular word here in, in Europe um, in terms of uh, eating less and less meat and or, uh, you know, only in, in, in infrequently. Um, I think that that's been very helpful and it gets people on the journey. And once they're on the journey, I find that they do continue down down that journey that having been said i do not shy away from the word vegan it's on every single one of the products that i have because i think that it's important to for us to reclaim that word and to be able to use it in a way that is positive um and fortunately what i have been seeing even in the last months uh is that more people are using vegan that have been shying away from it because it does literally define 
what we are. And it's the easiest thing. It's a very snappy and easy word to use. So we're starting to get away from that baggage. And as much as we can do that, I think then we will find people adopting veganism. But like I say, it's hard to get people to go directly there. But if we can get the part of the way and we can get a slightly kind of better feel around the word vegan as, 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 as not being some kind of weird cult, um, then I think, I think we will get people to use the word vegan and to feel a lot more comfortable about describing themselves as vegan. Oh, that makes so much sense. You know what, Claire, even if it were a weird cult, if you were in it, I would want to join. Thank you for all the wonderful things that you're doing in the world. I I am in awe and just honored that you took the time to be on the program. Thanks, everybody who listened. Thanks to Unity Online Radio for being our wonderful host and sponsor for lo these many years. And to each and every one of you, God bless you and eat your veggies. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify.